welcome to another episode of From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is the Crypto Coach, Blockchain Wayne, with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by Unchained University, cryptocurrency education that breaks the chains that bind us. Today's episode is also brought to us by Coincierge Club, mobile private key wallet and point of sale solution, helping to make crypto safe, easy, and the overall process more efficient while costing less. All right, so today it is Bitcoin's birthday. Now, I know Bitcoin has a couple of birthdays that are celebrated. One being the release of the white paper. Today is the beginning of the genesis block of Bitcoin. Uh, when the first Bitcoins were created in the genesis block, uh, January 3rd, 2009. So Bitcoin is 11. So almost a teenager, still not quite acting right, not doing what we wanted to do yet, but lots of potential, lots of hope, uh, just like a kid. So uh, today is the 11th birthday of Bitcoin. So uh, you definitely want to celebrate that. Also, today is also a day called, um, you know, Save Your Keys Day. And Save Your Keys Day means that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have private keys and public keys. Now, your private keys are the ones that can allow you to access it to be able to send. And your public keys are the ones that you can share publicly because that allows people to be able to send crypto to you. Uh, so you have a two separate addresses. Now, the problem being is if you hold your crypto on centralized exchanges, then you don't truly own your crypto. If you've been in crypto for a while, you may have heard this phrase. And if you haven't, you're going to hear it a lot. Not your keys, not your crypto. So what does that really mean? That basically means if you don't hold the private keys, control the private keys to a decentralized wallet, then you don't technically own that crypto. Uh, you, you have a ledger that shows that you hold some, but you don't actually own it until you take it off. Reason being, you go back to some of the big cryptocurrency hacks over the years, and what's happened is exchanges have been targeted and attacked and hacked, and the most famous one being Mt. Gox, where Mt. Gox uh, eventually became insolvent after the hack because all that Bitcoin was taken off of there. And everybody, even though they had accounts that said that they owned the Bitcoin, uh, Mt. Gox couldn't fulfill that and they, they became insolvent. So people lost their money. That's why today is just a drive awareness of save your keys to make sure that you are holding it on wallets where you hold the private keys. Coinbase and Binance and Kraken and all these other exchanges, they may be very large companies and you may feel confident enough that they're not going to, you know, they're not going to go away or one day suddenly shut down, but it's possible. Anything is possible. So that's why it's best. Unless you're actively trading crypto, then why would you want to leave it on an exchange? Most people, I think, just get lazy. The best thing to do is move it to a hardware wallet, a Nano Ledger, or a Trezor. Uh, but also another great option is the Exodus wallet. Exodus gives you the option of a mobile wallet and a desktop wallet that you download and you can also sync those two together to where they share the same balance to where you can access it from both places. Um, but those are options where you control the private keys. Now, there are some other wallets as well. Those are the ones that I've tried, tested, and, and have been true. So those are some, that's something that you want to make sure that you are, you are doing. You know, protect your private keys. Now, doing that, whenever you set up these wallets... Um, also, you don't want to get lazy with security. Security is something that is very important when it comes to crypto. You control the vault. You determine how easy it is to get into the vault. 
And you got to also realize a lot of hackers rely on people's laziness when it comes to security. So they may not target to hack your exchange account. They may hack, think about the, these companies where maybe you create loyalty accounts or something where you leave a username and password or you, you leave an email address and you have a password to log into that account. And they, they either hack or they acquire that information. So maybe that company goes away, becomes insolvent, and then they do that. If you're lazy with your password security, they're going to try that email address and password on other accounts, on bank accounts, on crypto exchanges, especially if, you know, uh, a quick browse of social media can show that, hey, you, you, you are, um, you know, a crypto enthusiast or you, you know, you, you posted about Bitcoin or crypto and they're like, OK, well, let's try this, this email and password on other crypto exchanges and see if we can hack it. So I said all that to say hackers are going to target the easiest targets, right? If you make it hard to get in, then that's going to be, you know, that's going to be, you're going to be skipped over because they're going after low hanging fruit most of the time. So make sure whenever you go to set up one of those wallets, it's going to give you your information, whether it's your private keys or a backup phrase or seed phrase, which is normally 12 to 24 words. You want to take those words. And don't just store them in the notepad on your phone. Don't just store them on the digital notes on your computer. No, store them in a secure location. Write them down. I mean, hackers aren't normally going to break into your house uh, to steal your stuff. They're doing it virtually. So if you have a safe, like get a little safe and keep all your important documents in there. You should be doing that anyway. And in those important documents, you can keep a notebook or a list of cards with all of your seed phrases, backup phrases. That way, if you ever forget your password and need to get in, you've got that access to information. Uh, because with those those decentralized wallets where you control the private keys, it's actually, there's no customer support. If you forget your password, you can't call up customer support and say, hey, I forgot my password. The customer support is you go to your seed phrase or backup phrase, you open that up, you type that in to restore the wallet because you've forgotten the password. And that's the only way to access that crypto. So you want to make sure that you take those steps to protect yourself. Another thing, which I've mentioned in the past, I've done a couple of episodes on as well, is you can get a safe ledger. You can go to safeledger.tech, um, order a safe ledger. Now it's a USB device. You can either order the device or you can pay for the download if you have your own flash drive. But use a clear flash drive that you haven't used for anything else. You haven't formatted it for anything else. And... Put that flash drive in you download it to it and that allows you to store your private keys on an encrypted program that stays on the that stays on the flash drive and doesn't stay on the computer doesn't go on the internet and me personally you know maybe i'm just being extra skeptical you know skeptical even though i've tested it out i know the guy behind the safe ledger uh great product uh, whenever i'm accessing my safe ledger i don't have my computer hooked to the internet right so i don't uh, you know, once, once I go to pull it up, pull it up, I, I disconnect from the internet. That way there's no, uh, no chance of anything, anything being leaked or any kind of screen capture happening. Uh, not that that's going to happen from the device, but you never know. Hackers could be targeting other, you know, programs or other things, other back doors into your computer. So that's something that I personally do, uh, whenever I'm connected to it, but safe ledger, it allows you. So I keep both. I have it on my safe ledger. And I have it in a notebook in a safe. 
So that way I can back up my, my crypto accounts because I am the customer service. I forget my password and I have to go back and do that. So take today, if you're holding crypto on Coinbase, if you're holding crypto on Binance or any other exchange, send it to a wallet where you control the private keys. If you can't get in a hardware wallet today, then download the Exodus wallet. Um, you can also download the Trust wallet. Um, you know, you can download those wallets and those are ones where you can control. Those are mobile wallets. Uh, so they're, they're more secure than your exchanges, not quite as secure as a physical hardware wallet, but secure enough. And, you know, I like to give the analogy, and if you've been following me for a while, you may have heard me say that, but if you got a few hundred dollars in crypto or maybe even just a little bit more than that, being having it on a mobile wallet where you control the private keys is absolutely fine. But think about, you wouldn't want to walk around with thousands and thousands of dollars in your physical wallet, like cash, so why would you do it on a mobile wallet? So that's where I keep the bulk on hardware wallets and the little bit I want to have on me because yeah, I do pay for stuff with crypto. I am trying to drive adoption. So when I have the opportunity to pay with crypto, I pay with crypto. So I do keep, you know, a few hundred dollars on, you know, on my mobile wallet. That way I have access to it whenever I need to pay for certain things or want to pay for certain things. Or maybe I want to tip certain people that uh, content creators that I like what they do and I want to tip them in crypto. Uh, that is something that that you can do. So, uh, you know, just remember that that's that's the whole point of of you know the save your keys day is to remove your crypto from centralized exchanges. People may say Binance is too big to fail or Coinbase is too big to fail, and that that can be said. But when you look at other companies that you know, let, let's step away from crypto and think back to let's go to retail companies, right? Kmart at one point was too big to fail. Sears at one point was too big and too strong of a powerhouse to fail. And where are those companies now, right? So I'm not saying that Coinbase is going to go away tomorrow, but Coinbase is trying to tie a legacy system, an outdated financial system to new technology with crypto. And right now it's an entry point, it's an exit point, it's an on-ramp. And so is Binance and some of those other exchanges. But as the ecosystem evolves, those two are going to become less and less uh, needed because imagine if if you're working and you're getting paid in crypto and then you go to the store and you pay in crypto and then that store that accepts crypto pays their their wholesalers with crypto that whole ecosystem is created and who needs the on-ramp of fiat the on-ramp of banks so right now that's the bridge that's created for us but there's not going to be a whole lot of innovation when it comes to that and people are going to continue hackers are going to continue to target exchanges Exchanges hold a lot more than your personal little wallets that you control, right? So they're going to go after the big bucks. That's why you hear about these exchange hacks where hackers may get in and they target, you know, they get 40 million, 50 million, 60 million. And in many cases, I'll be honest, my personal opinion is that those are inside jobs, right? Someone on the inside had to give them some kind of access, open the door. I mean, let's face it, if someone's going to steal $50 million worth of crypto, and they, they're going to pay an employee a million dollars just to open the door to let them in the quote unquote door. I'm not talking about a physical door, but you know, that, that that's possible. That's what happens. If you think about the, the issues, if you heard about in the news in the past with the SIM swapping, uh, you know, another thing is your two factor authentication security is very important. So when you look at two factor, uh, two factor authentication, there's different levels of that as well. 
And the most basic level, which is not very secure, is SMS text messaging, which is where you go to log into account. Two-factor authentication means you need another second layer of security of code to be able to access your account. So even if you know the password, some people will set up a text message authentication, which means after you log in, you have to enter that code that gets texted to you. Well, AT&T and some other carriers have had issues, AT&T being the most prominent, with SIM swapping. What SIM swapping is, whenever you go to get a new phone, uh, you basically, the agent at the counter, or, or if you're on the phone, you can call and say, maybe you bought a phone for somebody you want to switch service over. You will call a carrier and say, hey, I got a new phone, or I lost my phone, and, and you switch over, and this is the new SIM information, and you swap service over to that new SIM card. Well, that's all great if it's really you, but hackers can call and pretend to be you, access your, your information, and and allow you know allow you allow them to be able to get that text message code to where they can then access your account. And when people have that happen, a lot of times they'll see their crypto get drained out of centralized exchanges because they have poor um, authentication security. So the next level of authentication would be to use an app like Google Authenticate that is time-based code that changes every so often. And then the most secure is a product called YubiKey, which is like a, a physical device, looks like a little flash drive you can attach to a keychain that allows you to um, provide even more security with, with more encryption uh, to protect your data. So th those are different things, but I said all that to say, uh, SIM swapping, you know, when we're talking about employees that could be shady, uh, there was an AT&T employee that has been arrested and charged and is waiting trial because he allowed the hackers, he basically worked with the hackers uh, to allow them to access all these people's accounts. So he may have worked at a call center or a retail location that has access to that information and was able to give them, because normally you have a pin code or something that allows you to access that account. And if you don't have that, you can't access that account. But he, he bypassed that by allowing hackers to, um, to access it. So employees can be shady. That's another reason why you don't want to, you don't want to deal much with centralized exchanges. Now there are a necessary evil right now in a lot of cases. If you want, you know, if I just want to go buy crypto, my options are I can either buy it on an exchange like that, that I link a bank account to, or I can take cash to a crypto ATM. And in many cases, crypto ATM, the fees are still extremely high. So, you know, going through another you know, layer like that, that's, that's one way to do it. Uh, so it's a necessary evil to do it, but you don't have to leave it on there. You can move it out. And by moving it out, that allows you to control your crypto. So, uh, you know, that's really it for today's episode. Again, happy 11th birthday to Bitcoin. Uh, it was a major milestone. The first Genesis block was created on January 3rd, 2009. And also it is also celebrated in the crypto world as Save Your Keys Day. Uh, remember, not your keys, not your crypto. So move your crypto over to wallets where you control the private keys. All right, that's it. And we will catch you on the next episode.